Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. Welcome to The Fix. Welcome to this week's version of my Experience, Strength, and Hope. It says that we might solve our common problem and help others solve whatever your problem is, right? Sometimes it's just living. It falls into that basket of living. And sometimes life is what it is. And um, most of the time, though, as I have learned, Life is what we make it. Uh, although I'm not my own higher power, I don't control the universe. Sometimes great things happen, and we're going to talk about that today. And sometimes negative things happen, challenging things happen that give me an opportunity to really understand where I'm at, what I need, where I'm going, what I'm going to need to get there. Uh, last week was a, was a good week. Uh, spent a lot of time at home. And then, of course, as many of you know, I, I traveled on Thursday to go to Southern California. I have the greatest time uh, with my friend Daniel at Cedar House in Bloomington, California. Cedar House is a recovery center. And what a privilege and opportunity it is to go in and speak with those participants. Uh, step one is a real important thing for newcomers to understand how powerless we are and the unmanageability of our life as a result of our behavior, whether that's a tangible addiction uh, to, to a tangible source such as alcohol or drugs or another substance, uh, or it is um, a behavior concern or an issue or disorder, uh, an addiction to gambling, to pornography, to compulsive overeating, to bulimia, to anorexia, um, or it, we're given to anger or we're given to confusion. Whatever it is that we struggle with that has me depart from living a quote-unquote normal life. Uh, where I get up in the morning, I do what I'm supposed to do, when I'm supposed to do it, and then I am productive throughout the course of that day, week, month, year, decade, and so on and so on. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, that today. Uh, today's uh, podcast topic is the journey to acceptance. And a lot of things going on uh, in my mind, and I finally uh, settled on that topic, and we're going to do the best we can with it today. Of course, Friday night, I had an opportunity to go and speak at the folks with the folks at uh, the Valley Alano Club in Rancho Cucamonga, so thankful for all of those who came out. Uh, unfortunately, my, my technical ineptitude caught up with me, and I did not capture the recording as clearly or as completely as I would want. Therefore, I'm not going to be able to post that like I did in Boise, uh, my speaking engagement. So thank you for understanding that. You know, I was first clinically diagnosed. Maybe you can go back to this time where you had someone non-biased tell you that you have a problem, right? And obviously, my ex-wives, um, my, not at one time, of course, individually, uh, my children, um, 
although they were young, they were wondering why dad did what dad did. Um, family members, mom and dad and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, you know, obviously they would look at me and say, what's the wrong? You know, as, as many of you heard in my talk, there was like the tabernacle choir going off in my head and they were all saying simultaneously in harmony, by the way, Bobby, 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 what are you doing? Right. And in the day that I stopped hearing those voices was the day I went into treatment on February 19th of 1986. But prior to that, I think it was in, I don't know, must have been 1984, something like that, 85. Uh, I had an employer, uh, Dave Boyack, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. And I'll tell you what, Las Vegas did two things for me. Number one. Uh, most importantly, Las Vegas um, uh, was there in AA and NA and OA and the other 12-step groups that I became a part of. It was there when I needed it most. When I was at my lowest, Las Vegas and 12-step recovery was at his its highest, and it afforded me um, a, a place to go and an avenue for me to find what I considered my recovered life today. Uh, it also accelerated my timeline of addiction. Uh, had I not been in Las Vegas, I may have flirted with the edges for far too long. But when I got to Las Vegas, it was learning how to swim in the deep end. And uh, to my addiction's credit, I almost drowned. And that's what happens in addiction. But back in 83 or 84, Dave uh, was my employer, but he was very concerned for me. He was more of a friend and he was concerned for me to the degree that he knew I had a problem that I wasn't willing to admit to. I'm, I'm sure Dave didn't know the depth of my problem, but obviously when you show up drunk and high as much as I did, obviously the problem is probably alcohol and drugs or at least uh, a symptom uh, of the problem. So I went to a psychiatric observation in Las Vegas, Nevada, and there I met with a psychiatrist, and after a couple sessions, the psychiatrist uh, diagnosed me with obsessive compulsive disorder, or OCD. And according to its definition, is a disorder when people have recurring unwanted thoughts, ideas, sensations, which also can be defined as obsessions, right? And I was obsessed with alcohol, drugs. I was obsessed with everything other than conducting my life because I was afraid that I would be a failure. I had the recurring thoughts of never measuring up. I had the recurring thoughts of coming from nothing, being a nothing, and always going to be a nothing. And that consumed me to the degree that I had a chronic problem with alcohol and drugs and other behaviors that I would add to those substance abuse conditions sort of to quiet the madness, to draw things out. So that was the diagnosis. The prognosis, are you ready for this? The prognosis was I would never get better. And understanding that according to Father Martin, for every one person who walks into a 12-step recovery, there's 35 people at least uh, that should be there as well. And so I was a one out of 35 shot. So I think the doctor, in all fairness to, to this uh, clinician, uh, him prognosing me as never getting better 
was pretty good odds. I mean, you're being you're in Vegas, and if you want to forgive my gambling friends here, uh, those of us who suffered with that disorder. But if you if there was ever a sure bet, if there is or ever is such a thing, it's it's thirty five to one odds. And so, I was diagnosed with OCD. Prognosis was I would never get better. Therein lies the miracle of my recovery. That after a stint in trying out, I never really worked the program of Gamblers Anonymous, I would finally get to my bottom in uh, in my bottom, right? Bottoms, if you know me, bottoms are subjective, subjective to the person experiencing them. That's why I can hear a story of someone and think, wow, that's all you went through? But that was their bottom. Um, Laura was telling me about uh, uh, one one professional associate she has who, who just came to one day and said, you know what? This is getting in the way of my life. He hasn't lost his job. He hasn't lost uh, his relationship. He hasn't lost his income. He hasn't been thrown in jail. But he just said, you know what? This is in my way. And I'm going to take a different path and not drink and not use. And, and he's been very successful. That was his bottom. Whereby I was in other meetings like Richard and hearing stories about how he would put his put his head in the oven with the gas turned on and someone would come and pull him out or he'd pass out or something like that before he actually died. And all the crazy stories you hear when you're in the rooms as long as me. And I think, my goodness, I'm glad I wasn't that bad, right? We are as bad as whatever it is. Some die unnecessarily. Some die sadly. Some find recovery. And I have been blessed and fortunate to not have found it necessary after my relapse of 71 days to not drink or use or using any mind-altering chemicals since April 25th of 1986. In that time, I have been on this journey. Hey, before I jump into the content, if you haven't uh, gone and listened to Positive Affirmations, which was two weeks ago, I invite you to do that. Uh, great uh, things that we found in there from soberlink.com. You'll love the uh, the 10 points they make, uh, especially I can, followed by I will. And then also uh, last week, recovery is not an event, right? It is a journey along the way. Similar to that, the journey to acceptance. One of the things that I had an opportunity to participate in, like I'd mentioned, is the time with the uh, the participants at Cedar House, and I met ninety minutes with the men first, and then and then ninety minutes with the women, and we discussed about step one. And so much of step one is admitting we're powerless over alcohol, and our life had become unmanageable. But as my dear friend and sponsor, Slow Will, happy, grateful, recovered alcoholic, will remind me that we had to admit to our innermost self that we were alcoholic. This is the first step in recovery. And that's really true of any condition, not just alcoholism or drug addiction, but I had to admit to my innermost self that I could never place a bet, a bet again because I would always succumb to losing my paycheck and not bringing home the milk and not showing up and losing my car and all the things that come with being a compulsive gambler and all the other addictions, you know, one of the things that I don't do, my mother-in-law is an incredible cook and pastas and sauces and everything like that. And she lives with us here. And it's really great. Number one, she is a fantastic person, uh, but she's also an incredible Italian cook. And, and the other night she had made this great 
uh, blend of sausage, potatoes, of onions, and, and I get home about 7.30, 8 o'clock, finish mowing the lawn and doing my yard work and exercising. And she said, would you like some of that? And I think, are you kidding me? I would love some of that. But you know what? I know past 6.30 at night, carbohydrates and sauces that are sweet and with sugar are not a good thing for me. So I just said, no, I'll have it tomorrow or the next day uh, at a time where it's better for me. You know, today I make the, those decisions because I'm no longer in bondage to the addiction and the compulsion to overeat and to treat my body in a negative sense where no matter what work I can do, I'm working against that health and fitness. So you know what I'm talking about. It's all a part of a journey. Um, one of the things that's really important to remember is as a piece of people of recovery, and I tried to express this to the participants at Cedar House, we have agreed to go on a journey that is filled with challenges and opportunities. Oftentimes, the word problem is used. And I don't use the word problem because problem indicates to me that it's going to be difficult and it's not a part of life. It's, it's a problem that I have to stop and address. Where if it is a challenge and opportunity along life's way, because that's what life is filled with. Problems, they come up every now and then. Hopefully, your life, our life is not characterized by a problem. So I like to set that word aside, again, for my own purposes. Uh, sales trainers I've worked with uh, and, and other, uh, Ogmandino and, and others I've studied along the way, they like to use the word a challenge of opportunity. And, and I find that better for me. And so as I was chatting with the participants at Cedar House, their particular opportunity at Cedar House is to get sort of detached from the life that they were living, be surrounded by individuals who are like-minded, take advantage of the opportunity to meeting with well-qualified case managers who most of all are in some sort of recovery themselves and help navigate the challenges of life that they may leave that facility, whether it's after 30 or 60, 90 days, or they go into transitional housing, but they can leave that being able to face those lights and that challenges uh, on their own. Because really, we are all on a journey. You know, there are times when the realities of life seem overwhelming and very difficult to understand or accept. Like uh, my friend Scotty, who just lost his son uh, a little bit more than a week ago, uh, found him dead as a drug overdose, probably from opioids, more than likely uh, fentanyl, because uh, his son Zach had a great deal to live for. Uh, he had a son, a Christian, two and a half years old. So I am sure and saddened by, I'm saddened by his death, but sure that it was an accidental overdose uh, and, and probably involved fentanyl because he was that kind of user. Uh, having said that, that is a difficult thing to accept and to understand along Scott's journey of recovery that spanned 15 years now. Uh, we have a human response to embrace 
what makes us feel good and reject that which feels bad. Would you agree with that? Like Father Martin says, it's a natural human response to seek relief from that which is uncomfortable. We have a tendency to gravitate toward the feel good. And that's where my head wants to live. Everything can be crumbling around me, but I'm going to hang on to that one thought, that one thing that that reminds me of when things were good, while the rest of my life is crumbling around. It's, it's um, uh, you know, suggestive or, or, or convenient remembering, as it were. Here's something very interesting, and I'm going to use this phrase and then sort of rework it. Gandhi, one of Gandhi's incredible quotes along the way, my favorite quote, Gandhi said, one cannot do right in one department of life while attempting to do wrong in another department. Life is one indivisible whole. Do you like that? I love that quote. One cannot do right in one department of life while attempting to do wrong in another department. Life is one indivisible whole. And the point here is, there are going to be times when the journey is filled with goodness and at other times, sadness will take hold. Either way, it's the same journey. If you ever ridden a roller coaster, there are times it's a lot of fun and times it's rather scary going down the, that hill or, or listening to, you know, big thunder at uh, uh, Knott's Berry Farm. All the noise it makes, it, it makes it feel like it's going to come apart while you're on it. But that's all the same journey. It's all the same ride. And that's the way life is. And it's one of the things that Scott had to realize. And thank goodness he's reaching out to friends and to others and companions along the way to support him because he knows that his path to accept, not not accept as it's a good thing, but accept that it is a part of the journey. And what is a journey? You know, as defined by our friends at dictionary.com, a journey is traveling from one place to another, usually taking a rather long time. You know, some journeys are incremental. They're done in segments. They're short-term journeys as part of the bigger journey. But let's talk about life as a whole. My sobriety journey has spanned, I think, 36 years, three months, and let's call it 24 days, probably pretty close to right. It's been that long of a journey that I've taken. I've been in recovery over four years longer than I was alive before I came to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and NA and so on. I have taken this trip. I have gone from this person whose prognosis was he would not get better to this person, again, who has been clean and sober four years longer than he lived prior to coming into Alcoholics Anonymous. Here's the deal, though. My journey began when I was born. And my journey continues as I'm on the other side of 68 years old. I've been on this journey for 68 years. Some of that journey has been painful. It's been something I don't understand. You know what I mean? Sometimes we just don't understand why something is going on. I've, you've heard me share the story about my father passing away on August 1st of 1988. I don't understand that. 
and I couldn't get off that ride because I'm not able to pick and choose. The picking and choosing is done for me. Now, there are ways that I can live that don't invite negativity into my room. An example, Tom Bennett told me, it's absolutely physiologically impossible for me to get drunk if I don't take that first drink, right? So if I don't want to get high or get drunk, I don't use. That's why we believe, I believe in 100% abstinence 100% of the time for 100% of my journey. Because I believe garbage in, garbage out. I believe that law of attraction. If I put something out, goodness out, I'm likely, more than likely, good, good, goodness back. And if it doesn't come back the way I want, try to understand and make the best of it that I can because it's now an opportunity, something that challenges my life and gives me an opportunity. When my dad died, as many of you know, uh, instead of burying my dad, I, excuse me, instead of spending a week with my dad, I buried my dad. And I used it as an opportunity to say to God, God, if you do for me this, then I will know that I will never find a reason to drink or use again. Right now, I can guarantee you, my dear friend Scott is saying, this is an opportunity. This is a challenge. I must accept this. I don't agree with this, but I must accept this as being part of the journey. It's part of my period of travel as it would be defined. And what is accept? Acceptance is, right? In AA, it says the answer to all my problems. But acceptance is comes from the root word accept. And it means to take or receive something offered. Wow. Something offered. That's the opportunity. It says here to receive with approval or approval or a fa- uh, uh, or, or favor. Obviously, when we experience a real negative or tragic time, I was interacting with one of my dear friends yesterday on Instagram and she was, she had set up a post and I messaged her privately and I said, Hey, I, I didn't quite understand this post. Help me, give me some background on it. And she started to talk to me about how she's feeling, uh, because her mom recently died in the emptiness. And you know what? Every day though, she's continuing to post. She's continuing to be positive. She continues to share her experience, strength and hope in spite of her great loss. And it is a great loss. Having lost both my mother and my father, I've experienced both of those things. And there's a sense of emptiness that I now am challenged because it's an opportunity to fill that emptiness uh, from negativity to positivity. And, and remember my mom and dad is not someone being lost, but great memories that I can conjure up about them and the relationship they had with me. And of course, the life that they lived. One of the next things about accept, it means to agree. That's a rough one. That's a rough one in the midst of tragedy. Right now, Laura's brother has stage four of cancer, I think in three or four different ways. And he just went on hospice care. You know, are you going to tell me that Laura has to agree with that? Yes and no. We have to agree, not that we're glad that it's occurring because it's a tremendous loss to a wonderful person and to us as, as people who love him, but we have to agree that it is part of the journey. That's the agreement. Not, I'm glad this is occurring, but yes, this is a part of the journey and I must understand how to incorporate and process this as a part of my life because I can't 
decide what's good, what's bad as part of the journey goes, because the journey, as Gandhi said, life is one indivisible whole. Either it is or it isn't. Either God is or God isn't. Either God could and would if he were sought, or God can't, regardless of what we do to pursue him. One of the other things about accept, and here's where it really comes down to the nitty gritty in terms of it being part of the journey, to undertake the responsibility that is accept. God, I don't agree. Nature, I don't like this. Whoever your higher power is. Again, we don't have to come into agreement with what happened, but we have to come into agreement that it is a part of our journey. And the sooner we do that, the sooner our life begins to level off. Sometimes it's a real peak and we're real excited and exuberant over a job or an increase or another child being born. I mean, in November and December, Laura and I will have grandchildren nine or 10. We are going to rejoice in that. That's part of the journey. But I guarantee you somewhere along the way, there'll be something that happens that's part of that same journey that I have to learn how to work through that challenge and consider it an opportunity to grow through. We are given so many things along this journey and I can't get off the trail. I need to stay on the trail. My dear friend, Brother Ramon Ortiz, passed away a number of years ago with diabetes. And he would come up to me, and he wasn't even a person of addiction uh, in substance, although he was a compulsive overeater, and, and OA would have been a good friend. He would have been a good friend and vice versa to Overeaters Anonymous. He did have a weight problem, but he didn't have a heart problem, and he didn't have a caring problem. And what a giant of a person who loved me when I was still learning how to love myself early on in sobriety. <clears throat> but uh, Ramon Ortiz used to look at me and say, are you in the boat? <laughs> I'd say, what are you talking about, man? He said, just stay in the boat. Just stay. The course of action, just stay. Do the best you can, but whatever you do, do not get out of the boat. What was Ramon saying to me? He was saying, don't leave the trail. Don't leave the path. Stay on this journey you're on. I know these times are difficult. I know these times are hard. I know these times can be very confusing. And sometimes we're really tempted to just say, I don't want to be on this ride anymore. I I don't do really good with amusement rides. And I know that, so I don't get on them. And I remember as a younger, remember, remember the spider or whatever it was called? And, and it would sort of spin around one way and you'd sit in these cars and they would spin the opposite way as you would, and they would do it like you would spin around, you would flip around and all of a sudden it would spin the other way. Those rides made me so sick. And I remember one time just yelling at the, the carny who was controlling. I think I shouldn't have yelled because the ride probably would have ended sooner. He seemed to enjoy this far too much more than I was enjoying it. But I remember every time coming around, I'm yelling, let me off, let me off, let me off. And finally, I got sick and threw up next to the girl. That's another story. We never met at the park again. And and so I was on this ride and it was so uncomfortable. All I wanted to do was get off. And I started screaming and yelling. And I was very frightful because it made me feel so uncomfortable. 
but I wasn't allowed to get off. I had to wait to the end of the ride. Didn't feel good. But isn't that life? Isn't that our recovered life? I know there are times when we want to get off this journey because what is going on is so difficult for us to accept, so painful, but stay. I tell newcomers in recovery and even some people who have relapsed along the way, the most important thing you can do today is stay. Just don't go anywhere. Just stay. Allow others and your higher power to do for you what you up to now have not been able to do for yourself. And that stay on the journey, accept life as life comes, no matter how painful or challenging it may be, just stay and enjoy to the best of your ability, the journey to acceptance. Thank you so much for joining this podcast today. Continue to follow me on recovery underscore guy, obviously recoveryguy.org, Real Recovery Guy on YouTube, and the Recovery Guy on your major podcast networks. Have a great day. Thank you so much for all that you do for me as I continue to travel this journey to acceptance. We got broken apart, but we get whole together. My name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.